So welcome to the pre-show, Greg. Yes, welcome to the pre-show. Pre-show, as always, is brought to you by Manscaped. By Manscaped, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Manscaped, when you're looking to be smooth. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. When you're looking to be smooth. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think you need to clear something up, Greg, because, um, you know, last week we obviously had the authors of this book, Nothing But a Good Time On, uh, Tom Bojour and Rich Beanstalk. Yep. Or is it Beanstalk? Um, and one of your questions was, um, you know, whether the stories they were telling were was the truth, whether there was... Uh, some yeah, like the Mo- like the Motley Crue movie was, you know, what yeah. what's the term? It wasn't fiction, but it wasn't nonfiction. Yeah, some some tr- some truths were sort of spun. But yeah, speaking, fact, our, our friend. Okay, go ahead. Speaking of Motley Crue, you either do or don't have a Motley Crue story according so, to my father i don't have a motley crew story yeah, according to so, jeff taravanan i have a motley crew story so who tell everybody who jeff is jeff is my good buddy jeff is played jeff and i played together for years together in a band or various bands uh jeff is an actor jeff is a voice actor uh, and, and so jeff is for, a, for the purposes of this show he's a former touring 90s touring musician uh that just happened to tour with you correct yeah yeah correct um and so the the motley crew story which he uh came on twitter Twitter. to say hey yeah so so share with all of our listeners the motley crew story well according to jeff the motley crew story is my dad saw my dad bumped into the guys from Motley Crue somewhere in Sudbury when their tour bus broke down and that Motley Crue gave him a shirt that apparently I wore for years. Uh, I don't remember said shirt. I don't remember said story. And when I asked my father, my father said in his very principal voice, because he was a principal in Scarborough for years, I want to know what Jeff is smoking because my dad says that that never happened. Now, what might be, because Jeff sometimes forgets our, our young adult years, okay. memories from our young adult years. <laughs> it's entirely possible because my father looked like an OPP officer because he had the handlebar mustache and the, the short hair and stuff. All right. It's entirely possible Jeff is mistaking that when we were on tour and leaving Blind River, I was driving the tour truck and I got pulled over by a police officer who may have looked like my dad, who when he found that we were going to Kirkland Lake, but we were going to stop in the Manitoulin and that my family was from the Manitoulin, let me off with a warning. So it's entirely possible Jeff is thinking we were Motley Crue and my dad was this OPP (laughs) officer. That's the only, that's all I got. That's all I got. And that is the pre-show. <laughs> Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. 
Find him at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. All right, coming down in three, two. This guy's a professional. One. Hey, everybody, it's Jeff Burroughs. I play drums in a band called The Tea Party, and you are watching us on Welcome to the Music Podcast. Welcome. Awesome. Perfect. Boom. <laughs> welcome, 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 Jeff. It's great to have you here. I have to, the first thing I got to start off with is a congratulations. And what does it feel like to have the tea party win the Raven Drool 90s March Madness bracket? <laughs> I, I'm going to pat myself <laughs> on the shoulder for that, really, because yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're working this. Yeah, I, you know, but whatever, man. I mean, Our Lady Peace is a machine, so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not going to step away from the machine. And freaking uh, <laughs> with the what's his name, Jeremy Taggart was was just like, "Come on, someone help me!" He's not even in the band anymore. He's just all busy. It's like, let's go, Rain Burger, share some shit. Uh, I'm like, nope, this is mine, bro. I am taking it home. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. It was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of like back and forth and good banter. And- yeah, I, I just think it's, but it's great though that you know yeah. the community can can get involved like that. I mean, honestly, it was amazing. And since that, you know, I'm I'm back to following a lot of bands that I wasn't even following and that I had almost forgotten about. And and that's what's what it's all about. You know, you, you're yeah. reassociating yourself with you know, previous music that you loved and now reacquainting yourself or not acquainting yourself with, with new things. And that's what everything should be about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was great. It was a great chat. Um, I do want to talk about about one year ago to the day-ish or within the week, uh, the Tea Party, you released a cover of Joy Division's Isolation at the very mm. beginning of everything that we're going through right now. Yeah. Um, what, like... <laughs> What was that like, the experience at the time, at the very beginning of this, and then in hindsight now being a year out? What are your thoughts? Um, I was shocked to see it pop up on my socials as a year anniversary already. Management, Stuart, Jeff hadn't talked about it. Like, you know, we're we're not really talking daily. You know, Stuart's in Vancouver. I'm in LaSalle, Ontario, and Jeff's in Australia. So um, when we talk, it's usually every other week on a Zoom with management, blah, blah, blah. And when it came up, <clears throat> I was like, holy Christ, a, a year already. Um, but to be honest, it was the easiest thing, the, by far the easiest yeah. thing the Tea Party has ever done. Because uh, there's there's always very long writing situations, very long recording situations. Um, everyone lives where they live. We've got new music coming out, literally, that we were working on over two years ago now. Um, and that's coming out in a couple of weeks from Friday. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you that, but whatever. Um, but we can the, ask uh, about that later. Yeah. The, uh, but the Joy Division stuff was great. It was super easy too, because in high school, we were all into anything from Joy Division and of course, New Order, um, the Furs, the Bunny Men, the Jam, you know, any and all new wave stuff that was, that was well played. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, there, yeah. there were actually players in the band. So, um, and then we actually had the opportunity to play with New Order a few times in uh, Australia. 
on festival circuits wow. and such. So um, it was super easy. We, we, we jam that song all the time, like sound checks and stuff. So. Oh, you had previously, so like it was yeah. something that you guys regularly. Dude, oh, cool. dude, we played that in high school. <laughs> 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 sure, um, and I know when you did that, and I know Kareem's got the the hat on right now. I know you gave a shout out to a few um, charities, or not charities, but organizations that you were supporting. Conquer COVID. Mm-hmm. We were we were both very involved with that, so thank you for, oh, for supporting wonderful. that a, a year ago. And uh, thank you. You know guys. it's. It's it's really, you know, to me, it, it dovetails into the first thing that I really want to get into with you, which is, you know, with, with Conquer COVID, we've shifted to supporting right now uh, Call Anti, the Indigenous Helpline in Toronto, as well as uh, Mohamed Fakis and, and Amber Mack's uh, Frontline Food mm-hmm. Initiative. Um, you're a big supporter. Like, you do the, the Ride for Father's Day for prostate cancer, which, again, my dad's a 20-year survivor, so thank oh. you. Um, can you can you talk about the importance to you of supporting charities? Because you're you're like in your auctions, you're all over the place, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I became really. Uh, I guess the band became really involved. I'll give you the, the quick brief synopsis. Mm-hmm. But the the band became really involved with our our manager Steve Hoffman, who had um, sub- subsequently passed away from cancer, and he was very well known in Toronto. <clears throat> but he he had taught us once transmission came out and and he was with um SRO management he he kind of you know showed us the way like you know you should be pretty grateful and you should be very thankful and I always was but you don't you don't put anything towards it I'm I've been always been very thankful I've always been very grateful but you need to kind of show it and that really stuck with me and when he passed away um he was such this dude was a gem. Everyone within the industry from folk artists, country artists, rock artists, indie artists, everybody loved Steve. Um, you know, the Billy Talent guys loved Steve. Everybody loved Steve. Um, and it really, really stuck with me. So for as soon as he had passed, the first thing I did was raise money for this um, palliative care uh, sort of room rejuvenation project that happens in Windsor called transition to betterness. And that's the way they started. They would rejuvenate these rooms to make them like hardwood floors. And then um, they would create a kitchen area very much like in Toronto, but you don't have them in smaller towns where when the family comes to visit, there's nowhere normally for them to go, but now they have this kitchenette and they can come and they can talk to each other be before they're visiting, you know, the family member or the friend who's, who's hospitalized. So that was the first thing I did. And it, and it really stuck with me. And, um, you know, from, from there, I I just thought, you know, if I'm off and I've been afforded this, this great opportunity, you know, no one's walking around with bags of money on their back in my family, but I've been um, uh, the modicum of success that we've achieved um, has given me the opportunity to kind of lead the charge on certain things. And I say that with all modesty because every thing that I do um, is, is, you know, partnered with either an organization or a team of six or more or so on and so forth. So, and it becomes addictive selfishly which is a good addiction to have, yeah, yeah. mind you, but you know, it, it, it is, it, it really does become addictive. It, mm-hmm. You to see the smile on someone's face or to see the hope in someone's eyes, 
that, that's what makes all the difference. And um, uh, I've been afforded that and I have the time to do it when I have time to do it. Sometimes when I don't have time to do it. And <laughs> that's how I go about uh, my day. You know? Excellent. Well, thank so, you for, thank you for what you do. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, speaking of uh, anniversaries, um, 30 years tea party. Yeah. Wow. I know. I'm uh, old. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> did you, I mean, did you ever think when you guys hooked up, um, you know, here, and I know you guys are from, from Windsor and uh, that area, but, yeah. um, you know, I think you guys were jamming here in Toronto when you guys sort of first hooked up. Was there any thought, okay, let's, let's go on this long ride, or was it, hey, let's put together some, let's jam and put together some songs? Uh, I think when when we started taking it seriously, I think we had an idea that we really wanted to take it to a distance, whether it was success here or there or world domination. You know, everyone was always jokes about that when they're in a young band. Um, but we didn't we didn't go we we were not going into it, you know, hoping that we can play clubs for the rest of our life. Like we, we did it very seriously. Um, as an indie band, we crossed the country 12 times in four different vans that subsequently blew up. Um, you know, we got a publishing deal before we even got a record deal. It, it, it it's a strange, uh, path and it was a very difficult path. It, uh, you know, everyone says, Oh, it must've been so much easier then than it is now. And I'm like, I don't know, Christ, I, there was no internet. Every fan that we had, we literally went and yeah. played in front of them. Yeah. Um, we were not getting any radio play except perhaps um, some of the university stations and so on, which were great. But the moment, uh, the moment we got some overnight play at two 30 and three 30 in the morning from CFNY uh, that sort of helped us and sort of put us over that edge. So we would do the Windsor, London, Toronto circuit, and then back to Windsor for like a Sunday matinee, you know, and it was endless. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. and all mm-hmm. while being in school and all while trying to work and pay your rent and, you know, that whole deal. Yeah. Crazy right. times. Was the drums your first instrument or were you, did you play? What, what did you play? For no, you? no, I was in, I took piano for four years, like conservatory piano. Oh. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> There's no chicks, though. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was such a. You're killing me as a keyboardist. You're killing me as a I'm, keyboardist. I'm joking. <laughs> Seriously, I wish I could really play now that I think back. Um, no, but I was, I was very much an athlete as a kid until I was 15, 16, and um, you know, sports were were really my main focus. Uh, when the drums came into my life and my father was a drummer and, and so on, uh, I, I was around 11 <clears throat> just with a practice pad and, and so on and learning rudiments and stuff via my father. Um, it was just it for me. You know what I mean? It was a little bit more, I don't dare I say athletic, but there was just more excitement to it for me. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if it, it wasn't that the keyboards were dull or the piano was dull. It was just, there was just so much more excitement and volume and bombasticness, I guess, you know, you can equate, you know, getting crushed in the boards in a hockey game or sliding headfirst into third base more with drums than tickling the ivories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Do you remember your first band, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. He does. <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. It was with my singer now. Um, oh, Jeff okay. Martin, Jeff, Jeff Martin and I had a band, our very first band, and it was called D and the Three J's. And then it was quickly changed to the suspects. But D and the Three J's was Dave and the Three Jeffs. And it was oh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Martin, myself, and a gentleman by the name of Jeff Kribbick, and our friend Dave. And uh, then we changed it to the suspect, and I think it was the same lineup. And then my brother was in the band for a while, and then he became our light guy as we got bigger. So, yeah, we, Jeff and I have been jamming since I was literally 11, and he was 10. So wow. over 40 years now. You, you know, the, funny, the funny thing about that is, is that... Um, and again, we're going to get in the Mike Turner thing later. Jeff Teravainen and myself played together for years in various bands. Yeah. And there was a point where we were three Jeffs and a Greg because there it was go. myself and three Jeffs. So that's hilarious. Yeah. So G and the three J's could have been headlining the tour for D and the three J's. We could have been opening for G and the three J's. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Was was there? You guys were close to uh, Detroit, uh, okay. close to, to, to Motown. Yeah. Um, any influence in in your sound? What, what what were you even listening to at that time as a kid? <clears throat> so as a young kid, um, we were inundated. Um, being from LaSalle, which is just a small community where I live, where I am right now, um, small community outside of Windsor, and it was very small back then. Um, but Detroit is, you know, rock and roll city. Like Kiss really nailed it when they were talking about Detroit Rock City. Because when we were growing up, there was literally four Q107s in in Detroit. And it, it was just, it was everything. We all carried these little cards that standed, that, that said Dread on it, which was Detroit Rockers against all disco. And it was from a radio station. <laughs> And they literally burned disco records in Detroit Tigers Stadium. I don't know if you remember that, but if you can look it up and you'll see it. Oh, that was like to go to a ball game. They did that. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So, I mean, we grew up on the top 500 to 1000 rock songs ever. Right. So your Zeppelins, your Pink Floyds, your Stones, all of that. Once we got to high school, mind you, they had a very good, um, uh, public radio station, WDET. And that's where we really started to get into things that had more melody. I mean, we loved our Zeppelin because the acoustic meets the electric, uh, the Beatles, of course, things like that. But it, it just lacked a lot of melody um, with the other types of bands. So I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but that, that classic rock or what we call classic rock now just didn't have enough, I guess I can say, now uh melody or or interesting vocalizations type of melody you know what i mean yep. whereas a lot of the new wave stuff it was it was very theatrical it was very i mean you can go i mean take your pick you can go from you know dark stuff like Susie and the banshees or the cure yeah. to lighter fluffier stuff like well it's not even lighter and fluffier it's you know like your furs and your 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 bunny man and, and water boys kind of yeah sure yeah the water boy yeah. but it's much more melodic so yeah. that's kind of where where we kind of ended up 
you know, and, and as a kid, as kids in high school, our, um, our sets that we would try to sell to these dances at other high schools literally went from like Led Zeppelin to the jam, to the who, <laughs> to the water boys. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> people didn't know what they were doing. So, yeah. And, and so the music of the suspects at the time, did it reflect what you guys were listening to? No, we were, we were primarily, um, Beatles, um, more poppy rock stuff like journey, things like that. You know, I was literally in grade seven. Jeff was in grade six. Okay. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, we were, we were quite, quite young, but, uh, I believe Jeff's father and I believe I may still have some eight track and cassette tapes of those types of recordings, which that is awesome. Is pretty cool, but. Yeah, you'll never hear. Did, did you and Jeff <laughs> sort of stay together all the way through to the tea uh, party? Or well, no, no. Like so, yeah. We all through high school were in different bands, and then we met Stuart, uh, who was Jeff's age, uh, came from a different grade school into high school, and then we then you start meeting everybody from different schools when you're in high school. Uh, so we we're in and out of different bands. Uh, Jeff and Stuart had a band that eventually moved to Toronto. Uh, they left university in Windsor and formed the Stickmen, where the Stickmen were from Windsor. And okay. then they left for Toronto and they were they were trying to make it there. And um they had they had a good following, like a quite a good following, but it just wasn't getting to that next step. And I think everybody was starting to get frustrating, frustrated. And um <clears throat> at one point, um Right before they had moved to Toronto, Jeff and I were playing in a blues band, literally called B&M Blues, so Burroughs and Martin Blues. So Jeff would play guitar and sing. I was playing drums and playing uh, moog pedals, bass pedals with my left foot instead of my hi-hat. So I'd play the bass parts with drums and he'd sing and and vocalize or vocalize and play guitar. And uh, we had done that for about a year while the Stickmen were going on. And I was playing in a Detroit band called Vavoom. Then they left, but the bar owner, after a year, came up to me and said, look, do you and Jeff still do that sort of jamming thing? And I'm like, no, he, they're up in Toronto and they're trying to do their thing. And she said, well, do you think you can get them down? So I called Jeff and Stuart, who are living in their condo in Toronto, and, uh, and Jeff said, why don't we just put together a trio? And literally, I went up the following weekend on a uh, Greyhound bus with my drums <laughs> packed underneath and uh, got in at midnight and we, uh, you know, brought the drums over to Cherry Beach studio. And, and that's where the tea party began quite literally. Wow. So, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. I love, love Cherry Beach record down there a few times. Yeah. In the day. yeah. It's a great, great little studio in there. Yeah. Um, so, so I want to, I want to, I want to then fast forward and now let's start to bring Mike Turner back into play here. <laughs> okay. And so, so Mike and I played together for, ever not ever but like through the end of my high school he was at western at the time and coming mm-hmm. back and doing sound for our band and then ended up being part of the band and we played together for a long time um where i wanted to go with this is towards uh the crash karma you know time period and and when 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 i say you guys did a tour you know what i really want to know about i saw pictures from mike where you were literally touring military bases in the middle east right at that time? Well, we, there's there, the Canadian government or the uh, military side of that <clears throat> offers opportunities to bands um, 
to go. So there, um, we did one that was through them where it was in Afghanistan and, um, every band from, um, finger 11, like a lot of bands have done that. So we're, we're not by no means uh, alone on that, but a lot of retired hockey players and, uh, go. So I was literally sitting next to my hockey hero, Guy Lafleur, when we're on the, the plane after, after we got off the commercial jet, <laughs> which was the prime minister's plane. <laughs> Thanks Canada. And uh, <laughs> we, we ended up landing in Baden Baden, which I didn't know we were going to land in, in Germany. And no one knew because we couldn't tell anyone because mm-hmm. this is military. So, and my, and your life insurance becomes null and void at that point. Cause you're now entering a war zone. My wife was not happy. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> had a great experience. Uh, <laughs> so um, with that, that one was really cool because they sent us with uh, uh, MMA fighters, uh, Guy Lafleur, a couple other the, the retired NHLers. We pl- had Hockey Night in Kandahar, which is really, really cool. Uh, when we were playing, we, we always ended our second last song of the set was always Edwin's solo song, um, Alive. And as soon as we started playing alive in the distance for a civilian's eye, such as ours, we're playing away. And it looked as though bombs were coming in. Like, I'm not kidding. Our faces, our mouths were a gap. And we're just like, what is going on? And Mike's looking back at me and I'm like, just keep playing, man. Just keep playing. And we thought that we were under attack. And, and one of our friends now came running on the stage. It's like, it's okay. It's the U.S. They're bombing them. Don't worry about it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. What is happening? Wow. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. And the very same day before that, Mike and Ed and I were in our bunkie. Um, and the sirens went off. And you have to crouch down, like watch all the films from the 40s and the 50s and, yeah. and so on, the Cold War stuff. We're, we're literally lying or not lying, but crouched down on the ground one after another, just boom, boom, boom. And just saying, I love you, man. If we go like this, <laughs> but it was okay. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. Cause I, I've even seen pictures where you guys were all like, you were in full like gear, like, like oh, full yeah. protective military gear it was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> helmets, it's quite an experience. And, they, they treat you so, so well, and, and you're quite secure. But, I mean, civilians were hit um, on other occasions in the square and so on and so forth because you'll get this Aaron, um, you know, bomb that's just, you know, set off, and it's usually the old Russian stuff that's left over from the previous war that right. they're shooting off and just aiming at the Canadian and the U.S. and, and so on and, and our allies' um, training fields. So, it was really strange. And then the next one, we ended up going to Egypt, which was a peacekeeping mission. But hmm. in the middle of our set, uh, a captain was um, taken and our entire audience disappeared. So someone was literally taken hostage. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> it was crazy, man. It was crazy. Wow. Stories from the road you would not expect. <laughs> right? Yeah. These stories. Mike, Mike oh. Turner, though, if you haven't had Mike on, I, you know Mike. He's an elephant brain. Yeah. He could tell you this story probably 10 times better than I ever could. So, 
Yeah. If, if only I knew somebody who knew Mike, but <laughs> I, he's a pretty good sound man. You should talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's doing a lot of really cool stuff lately. Um, lately as a, as a uh, studio guy, Mike is doing really well. I mean, Mike's a genius, so he, he, he's never going to, he doesn't have to worry. He's a smart no. guy. No, for sure. That is awesome. Go ahead, Greg. No, I was going to say, so, so um, again, you know, collaborative group with Edwin and Amir and, and Mike and that. Um, I know my son wants to know about collaborating with Getty and Alex in the dirty big or the, just the big dirty band for mm-hmm. the trailer park boys soundtrack. Yeah. Talk, like, uh, talk about that. Dream come true. I mean, yeah. um, you know, a guy who had spent probably $4,000 in high school going to see Rush, uh, whether it's in <laughs> Detroit or Toledo or Cleveland or Toronto, um, the opportunity to get to do that was mind boggling. <clears throat> and honestly, uh, what's, what's the best story? Okay. This is a good story. I can tell this one and Alex won't care. Al's a great guy. Like I'm still in contact with Al. Every, and, and that being said, so someone like Al will help me with anything that I do. So whenever, especially my drum marathon, cause he thinks it's amazing that I'm playing drums for 24 hours. He mm-hmm. donates to that every single year. I don't even have to ask. He's just like, Jeff, I'm here. What do you need? And it's like, geez, man, like how cool is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's in the position to do that. And he is a very, very charitable guy himself, not just sitting fat and handing out money. He's out there yeah. on the line, you know, doing mm-hmm. his thing. So he's a great guy. But back to Al and the rock star. I'm in the, I'm in the studio and uh, I'm in the studio. Gontier, Adam, is in the studio. <clears throat> this is Al's uh, kind of practice studio. Really nice studio. Um, Thornley was there. Who the hell else was there? I had just finished my parts and we had gone over it. Uh, Rich Chicky was uh, mixing. And uh, who else was there? I don't know. Maybe Care Failure was there. There's quite a few of us anyway, but uh, I'm not a, I'm not a pot smoker, right? My lungs are, are shit and I just, I can't smoke <laughs> pot. <clears throat> and um, I'm sitting there and the drums are on. So I'm like, whew, feeling good. I was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, feeling great. And he rolled a spliff, like, you know, the thickness of this can. And <laughs> he passes it along and I'm like, if Al's rolling, I'm smoking because it's it's Al, right? And uh, probably probably well, pr- top three of my most cool times ever. That was so cool. Awesome. I'm sitting in a yeah. studio in Al's place. It's banging on the DW drums that Neil practices on when they're getting together. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. like so. That's cool. awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. that was that. <laughs> yeah as 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 popular as you guys were in canada what? were uh, were are uh, have been have been wow and that's the end of the conversation and i'll see you because no, no one's popular right now right we're all staying at home that's right no that's no i, mean. I know what you mean i, I meant touring mean. i meant touring um <laughs> how the heck did australia happen how are you guys like massive in Australia. Um, this is this was the plan in Australia. 
So we went there. Um, the, the, the first time we went there was the winter of 93. Felt like the world would freeze with John F. Kennedy. <laughs> no, sorry. Wrong, wrong memory. No. <laughs> you got it. You didn't get it right away, but you did. <laughs> um, I think it was immediately. Oh, no. Priests. I'm, I'm getting confused. I know we went to Australia right after we did a blind, uh, blind melon tour in Canada. But I think it was before that. <clears throat> but anyway, we set up. Um, and it was brilliantly done. Um, uh, essentially, we would showcase in Sydney and Melbourne and a couple of the surrounding cities. So if we were, we were going to go to Toronto, we would do a Toronto date, a Scarborough date, a Mississauga date, a Hamilton date. And we would just keep hubbing back. You just drive back to Toronto every night. And we did that for a month. And then we went back and we did Melbourne. Boom, 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 boom. And it literally, you could see it grow exponentially. It, it, it went from four people to 12 people to 50 people to 100 people. And once we hit 100 people in, in each of those, I guess it was Sydney, Melbourne, uh, probably Brisbane, I'm imagining, East Coast, um, mm-hmm. it, it really started to pick up. And then uh, their CFNY their new music station is very similar to like the CBC. Uh, it's, it's national and it's called triple J and triple J was the CFNY national. It's as if CFNY in its heyday was national. Imagine how cool Canada would have been. Oh my God. So, um, that was, they really grabbed on to our second single save me. And, it was, it, that was a month after we had done those residencies. And then the, the, the time we came back after that, which was after the Blind Melon tour, us and 13 Engines and Blind Melon, um, mm. it took off. And at that point, we were playing in front of, we were playing like, are you guys out of Toronto? Yeah. We were, we were doing like your Lee's Palaces, which, which are huge. But for us, I jumped to three and four hundred size clubs and not the pubs. Oh, my God. And, and it just went boom, 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 boom. And we just kept coming back, too, right? Whereas a lot of American bands um, have great success. And if you're successful in America, let's face it, you're 10 times successful as you are in Canada. So um, they just I think they loved the fact that we kept coming back and um we quickly, you know, built this, this love affair between both them and us and us and them. And uh, we still love to go back. Jeff, of course, moved there. So we have no choice, <laughs> but we, we, we love going back there. We've done um, extensive tours, extensive festival tours. We've, I mean, I've played with faith no more there. I've played with nine inch nails there. I've played with Lou Reed there. Um, there was a Canadian contingency there at one point with us and Nickelback and default. And it was, you know, we've had the craziest times there. So um, we've developed this wonderful relationship. We do these symphony shows there um, playing with the Melbourne symphony orchestra, which is probably the best symphony in in the Southern hemisphere of the planet. Um, And, and they want to do that again in 22. So, you know um, it's not like we are 
ACDC to the to the rest of the world to Australia, but we have a very good solid cult following. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was yeah. developed obviously in the in the mid to late nineties, but now we go back and you know you're playing to. 2,500 to 4,000 people a night, which is wonderful. I mean, if you could do that in America, wouldn't life be grand, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's interesting because there, there's, certain, there's a certain affinity for Canadian bands too in Australia, I find. Yeah. Like if you think about, think about how well Alexis on Fire is done down there, right? It's just like, they just love that. So there's, there's bands that the Aussies seem to catch on to. And it's funny you mentioned about Triple J because I spent a lot of time, I spent about six years spending about ten, probably a tenth of my life each year in Australia. And I would listen to Triple J and I'd come back and, you know, either indie or, or CFNY would start playing a song. And I'd say to my wife, well, you know this song, right? And she's like, no. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we've been listening to it forever. And I realized, no, it's because I was listening to it when I was in Australia a month or so before. Yeah. Australia is not a day ahead of us. They're a month ahead of us. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's true. And want to know something interesting. Yeah. You said Alexis on fire. We saw their first show ever in Australia. Really? And it was in uh, it was in a bar South of Adelaide and okay. we had just played at Adelaide the night before. And then we went and saw them and it was like 1230 at night and I was zonked and, but they killed it. You know, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, they always they always put on a great show. Yeah. Um, you talk about 2022. I know one of the things that was coming up or is now going to be again coming up is the what I have to call a super tour is oh, Moist, yeah. Headstones, Sloan, and you guys. Like yeah. that's that's gotta I got goosebumps. That's gotta be cool coming up. I can't wait um, <laughs> for the third time or fourth time. Yeah. It's been wow. rescheduled, but yeah, um, we're all very much looking forward to it. I really hope it happens in November, but I, I don't know if it doesn't happen in November. I don't know. I think people are just going to start to get pissed. Right. Like I, <laughs> I really like, fuck it. Give me my money back. I'm not waiting anymore. Uh, I, it's a, I hate to sound like a sales guy. It's a really good deal, but I don't think there's any tickets beyond ninety nine ninety nine. So yeah. you're getting four bands that are usually seventy nine ninety nine to ninety nine ninety nine for for the same amount of money. And for us, it's we've played with these guys so many times. I mean, Headstones, we played with in New York in like ninety three at showcases like we all used to showcase at the same places at the same time they'd have canada day at the moose lodge in freaking manhattan you know what i mean and there's all these canadian bands and it's a moose because we're canadian <laughs> and uh you know there's you <laughs> spitting on people in the front row and then there's us you know doing our thing <laughs> it's just i just can't wait you know yeah so good yeah. and everybody's so kind and how popular did you guys get in 2011 what, what do you mean? In, so 2011, <laughs> with, with, the, with, the, with the Tea Party political oh. stuff happening. This, like, like, I'm curious, like, was your website, like, was it being had no. visits? It was so merch. It was so funny. <laughs> you caught me off guard. It was so <laughs> funny because, like, if I'm on Twitter or something uh, and I get in an argument with some random dude or whatever, uh, who's pissed that his band didn't make it or something. Um, <laughs> he's always like, and I hear it was you that kibosh the whole Tea Party website money. Way to go, jackass. And I'm like, what? <laughs> we, 
<laughs> First of all, we never sold it. Second of all, we were never really selling it. Everybody was making some. I mean, put it this way, and I shouldn't talk about this, but I don't care at this point. <laughs> they were they were talking like a million dollars is going to turn this band's luck around. A million dollars? Okay. A million dollars minus management commission. That's 800. Okay. Mine is the uh, sales fee. Mine is the lawyer's commission. So at the end of the day, I would have wound up with about $150,000 in my pocket. Whoa. Yeah. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's going to make your life. Would have changed my life. Turned my life around. <laughs> and I'm not being an asshole. I mean, $150,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That, that doesn't take me out of my 10-foot trailer and put me into a 16-foot trailer. Sorry, man. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. No, no, for sure. For sure. That um, was, so yeah. we, we have one, <laughs> one studio audience question, um, and that is from Kelly. Happens to be my wife in the background right now, which is why she's have a studio huge audience. studio audience. She, she walked by earlier, yeah. She did, yeah. She did walk by. Hi, Kelly. So, What's for dinner? Jeff says, hi. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm the cook. That's not a question for her. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so she wanted to know, we had, do you know Danny Miles from July Talk? Yeah, yeah. He's a bird guy. Yeah. Loves his well, so yeah. there's the question. So that's exactly the question Kel said. So if Danny's got this this hobby nobody knows about, I mean, everybody does now because of birding, what hobby does Jeff have that nobody knows about? What are you into that nobody knows about? That's what she wants to know. Um, I don't know. I've, I'm... I'm kind of a horror on social, so everybody kind of knows my life. Um, I love motorcycles. <laughs> yeah. I love fast cars. I love cool cars. I love to cook. Um, love long walks on the beach. <laughs> holding hands. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Eat a lot of <laughs> all right all right sorry man so, i'm not making a mockery no, of that question i'm sorry no, that's just, no. no that's cool that's no she just we were out walking we're up on we're hiding out in the manitoulin right now um she's oh, a teacher beautiful. so so we get to so she's doing remote learning so as soon as that's well, happened we tell her thank day. you tell her thank you and i appreciate her all of her work because uh, teachers I, and I, nurses I, are the best I will. I will. Yeah. We were out walking today before the rain started and she, she were noticing some of the birds and that's when she went, well, hold on a second. If Danny's got that, you got to ask Jeff this anyway. Uh, so a quick question that we'd like to ask people before we wrap it up, cause I know we're coming up to our time here okay. is, is um, what's in your earbuds lately? What are you listening to that people should be checking out? Um, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I'm listening to my son's band, which is called tempt. T-E-M-P-T. They're out of New York City. Um, when I'm running, I'm listening to Bring Me the Horizon, which is not a new band, but um, very heavy back in the day, become more pop rock electro now. Um, and honestly, I'm a huge supporter of our local music scene here in Windsor and YQG. Um, there's this young co-op sort of community that that this uh, gentleman by the name, young guy by the name of Michael Hargraves uh, created called Soul City, Soul City Music Co-op. And he's got a roster of artists. He's an artist himself. He's married to Chrissy Cochran, who's a East Coast girl who is phenomenal. Uh, there's Dane Roberts, there's Madeline Dunart, um, and there's all of these, the Bishop brothers. There's all of these young artists. And that's all I keep listening to is all the, the young stuff, the new stuff. I love it. And um, their genre is very... It sort of swings from 
from beautiful, soft-spoken Joni Mitchell-style folk to really cool, upbeat, modern pop. And that being said, um, I love the modern pop stuff. I love R&B artists that are playing their own things. Um, mm-hmm. Who's the guy who just hooked up with uh, uh, Bruno Mars? Uh, I got him on my playlist. He's a drummer. Um, but anyway, a lot of the R&B stuff. I don't want to say rap stuff, but I do like a lot of the rap stuff. Post Malone is a staple. He's easy to listen to. Um, but I, I honestly do love your Post Malones, your Drakes, your Roy Woods, yeah. uh, anything and everything kind of like that. And that's due to my kids uh, getting me into that sort of stuff because I love the production value. I love the, um, I love the intent uh, a lot. I like the stuff that, that has a lot more meaning. It's what I look for in a rock song is what I look for in those types of songs. And it's out there. I, I, I don't ever want to be that guy, uh, you know, old white guy and a white guy rock band, you know, complaining about pop music when my career is over. Like there's so much out there that to bring so much joy and happiness or a smirk or make me feel anger or make me feel sadness. And that's what you want. And to grow old and miserable and say, the only thing that's good is Led Zeppelin is bullshit. Like, you know, you have to, you have to find new things and it's out there. I mean, there's more out there now than there ever was really. So yeah, that's, that's my limited answer. But if I were to open this, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) So no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, you did tweet yesterday and I know we talked about it earlier. I don't know if it was on before was we jumped on. No, no. You tweeted <laughs> T minus 18 days hashtag. Oh uh, yeah. TTP. Yeah. yeah so I can you talk about what's coming up? Yeah. I didn't realize. Um, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm getting in trouble, but I don't care. Um, I didn't realize <laughs> that uh, we have a, our single, our first single, which is coming out on Warner Brothers is going to be out in less than three weeks now. So, so I guess T minus 17 days now, Um, but it's a great song. Um, I'm super happy. It's very apropos. It's not about COVID. So relax, (laughs) fucking relax. And then, uh, (laughs) and the, the great thing for me is I feel the second single is even stronger but the first single is just, it's great. It, I'm so happy. So that's that. And then right after this, we're starting to work on a new album, not an EP. And then there's other things in the work already as well. So Very cool. I'm a lucky guy, man. I'm pretty yeah. lucky. Yeah. That is awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a real treat, a real pleasure. Um, we're still listening to you. I, I didn't mean to say that. You know, when you used to, dude, we were so popular. Remember when that? Remember when we were so popular? Remember you were like, before. remember when you were eight and you listened to the Tea Party nonstop when we were popular? <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> oh man, fair enough. Fair enough, uh, Jeff. If people want to. Uh, to follow you and your rantings on social or they want to find out more about the band, where's, where's the best places they can go? Uh, for me, it's just Burroughs Drums, my last name, Drums, Burroughs Drums. And Tea Party, just look, the Tea Party band or the Tea Party, you'll find it. We're out there. Awesome. Perfect. Again, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Ellis, it's been a wonderful evening. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed myself. Thank you. Appreciate your thank time. You. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers. Yeah.